welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Bernie Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the rookie, Mr. Chris Ashew. I don't want to sign your release form. I don't want to sign it. Get that out of here. Release forms. Should we have release forms for this podcast? I, uh, I, I, you know, it's a question that it comes up a lot in my mind. I just don't worry about it because everybody's yeah. handshaking each other and we're all good. <laughs> Existential crisis being had on a recording. <laughs> On this episode, we are talking about three episodes of the awesome show, Barney Miller. We are talking about three episodes from the sixth season. We're talking about The Bird, which was released November 8th, 1979. The Desk, which was released November 22nd, 1979, just in time for Thanksgiving. And The Judge, which came out December 6th, 1979. Of course, all directed by Noam Pitlick. This is the season of Pitlick. You've had the summer of George. This is the season of Pitlick. A lot of Pitlick. That Pitlick. You guys heard about that Pitlick? That Pitlick's really burning it up. I mean, look, he's he is a welcome, uh, even keel to this show. Like, I, oh, yeah. I, I, in in good hands, or we are with Noam Pitlick, right? Like, I feel yeah. like that could be said for almost anybody who worked on this show. But just knowing how much in the sixth season people had to step up because of Danny Arnold, like Noam Pitlick rose to the occasion because uh, spoilers, everybody. These episodes are really good. Yeah, that's funny because I almost said spoiler alert. These are solid episodes. So we <laughs> yeah. are very much on the same same page here. Yeah, uh, the bird. Well, before we even start to talk about the bird, I just want to say something that I've been breaking down all of these stories in terms of A, B, and C plots. Just remember, everybody listening, this show is a half an hour with commercials. Right. They're balancing three stories that they tell pretty well every single time, time in, time out, and able to take those three stories from beginning to middle to end every single episode. It just impresses me a lot. And we have had occasions where one of the plots is lesser than the others. And that's okay, because most of the time, the A plot or the B plot ends up being the standout. But to your point, we know because of Otto Bruno's book, Barty Miller and the Files, the old one too, which you can get on Amazon and uh, published by Bear Manor. Uh, we know that they spent an inordinate amount of time getting all of these jokes constantly right and spending three or four in the morning re-filming this stuff. Like the show is as good as it is because the people behind it were literal perfectionist psychotics, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> Those are the people you want making your television. I mean, Norman Lear is a is a force to be reckoned with still as like a 90-year-old man because he knows what he wants, he knows how to get it, and he and his track record speaks to that. And Danny Arnold's the same thing. And I mean, there's a reason this show from 1979, the season we're in now, is still so well-regarded by police today in 2023 because it speaks to timeless themes that I think most people in this area of the service industry of our, or, you know, however you want to view what, police and firefighters do uh it speaks to them in a way that's like you know not chicago blue or ny or any of those horseshit shows that are more about the fun stuff but the fun stuff is like it doesn't happen every week if it happens at a, a once a month type thing it's seems mundane and that's what barney miller traffics in and that's what makes this show so smart with the plots is that it, it never leaves this the the station and that allows it to constantly while it does feel samey from time to time the stories of the people coming in can kind of just be whatever 
and we're a captive audience held in a bottle constantly with everything. And that bottle sometimes builds up pressure and cracks, but for the most part, it's just those A and B plots. And then the C plot rears its head from time to time. Well, the bird definitely has all three plots. We've got two things going on with the guys in the one, two. We've got Wojo buying a parrot, which soon becomes an ex-parrot. Um, I'm not sure if it's a Norwegian blue or not, but it does have lovely plumage that's going on. We've got Harris trying to get releases signed for his new book, blood on the badge. It's here folks. It's here. We're going to be hearing a lot about blood on the badge for the next few years, I think. And then we've got the suicide hotline operator who tries to commit suicide. And is visited by one of his frequent flyers or frequent callers. I know my wife and my mom both worked in psych hospitals. And when patients would come back, they would call them their frequent flyers. So I think she might qualify. Um, All three very strong stories. And I really like what they're doing on this episode. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Obviously, we've seen um, the actor who plays the the jumper, Michael Lombard. We saw him last season uh, in in an episode. I I don't remember what he was doing in that episode. It was the Harris incident. So that episode had a lot of other things going on that had oh, nothing boy. to do with him. Uh, but he's really good here. And so is Miriam Bird Nethery. Because what they're doing, I think, works in a way that this sh- that this show tends to work, which is, yes, it's kind of trivializing suicide, but it's also 1979, folks. Like, it, just take it for what it is. I mean, this show had an episode titled Rape. We're lucky this episode wasn't called Suicide, like, in, in a lot of ways, because it is the A plot. The bird thing is, I would say the B plot, maybe even the C plot. Yeah, it's yeah. It's the... It is this season's Max Gale doing Kung Fu. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) if you were to show me a still of Max Gale standing next to a parrot in the one-two, I would genuinely ask, what the fuck are we watching here? And that little cutaway of him doing the Kung Fu in the first like three seasons or four or whatever it is before they replaced it is feels the same way. It's like, what, what is the point of this? This at least is kind of a sustained gag that, Pay, I think it's a nice payoff to it, but it is a little out of left field. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like very. far left field. Bernie coming into the office, and there's the parrot just there. No Wojo, just the parrot. Yeah, that it, was like, what the hell's going on here? It's yeah, it's bizarre. It does work because Wojo is an eccentric weirdo. Yes, like, and so it it. It works as far as I'm concerned, but I think what's better is Martin Garner coming into the the precinct playing essentially a similar version of the character we've already seen him play and just being like, I assumed that you're trying to extort me. It's like, right. You know, <laughs> and then they get in a Pittsburgh jab because because <laughs> yeah. fuck Pittsburgh, apparently, according to Barney Miller. Is it Philadelphia? I guess it's Philadelphia. It was Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 The city of brotherly love. Yeah. yeah, that was strange. Yeah, I, his whole, like, I assumed you were ripping me off kind of thing. And then Barty has to be like, no, 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 we're, we're not those kind of people to the point where Wojo doesn't get the refund and ends up giving the money back to the pet store owner. And there's a great line, though, and he's like, I think I screwed up here. <laughs> yes, that was good. I screwed up when he hands him the, the envelope back. And uh, like Max, I mean, look, Max Gale, when he's on is really funny i i think oh, this yeah. season he's been really good and in, in a lot of ways to contrast how not great he was in season five 
I think almost across the board. It was weird. Season five was a low was a low point for the Wojohowitz character. I wonder if it's because they were just like, hey, Steve Landisberg, do you want to just like do everything? Right, right. <laughs> Which I mean, if you're gonna ingratiate yourself to the audience, no better way to do it than just run the run the ball as it were through Steve Landisberg on literally every single gag. Because I feel like in season five they were putting a button on every gag with Steve Landisberg. And that was Max Gale in like the second season of the show type thing. Yeah. Like all those back and forth with Abe Vigoda in the second season. It was like constantly Wojohowitz and Fish going back and forth. And I was like, that was their that was their thing. So it's interesting to see people people take a back seat. I'm glad Wojohowitz is not taking a back seat this season. It seems like it's gonna be Harris, Wojohowitz, and then Levitt, who's not in this episode at all. No, no. And we'll definitely be talking a lot more about him as we move on. But before we do that, I just really want to shout out again, um, Michael Lombard. He is so good. And I always enjoy whenever he shows up. He always kind of reminds me of the gentleman that played Boss Hog when he didn't look like Boss Hog, when he was just kind of normal looking. He had that very similar pate. I think uh, Michael Lombard might be a little bit taller than him, but he plays flustered so well. I really enjoy somebody that can, you just want to see them angry or upset. And he does that great. It's the jowls. He's got those great. Oh yeah. He's got those great jowls and he, he looks the part and you know, he's like I said, he's been on Barney Miller one other time and he's going to show up two more times. Uh, he, yeah, he's, I mean, look, that's the thing we, we always say almost every episode like this show is just for the character actors and yeah. It is because they're it, it, it's it's like whenever Rutger Howard would be the lead in something. It's like, I get that you want to think he's an action star, but this guy's an like a, a character actor. And I love that this show is like we're going to highlight great character actors and just give them something interesting to do for, you know, a 30 minute episode. And it, and for the most part, I don't think we've had a lot of complaints in this show. It's more on the other shows that we do where it's like, this is the only time they show up. What a waste. Like we've said that on Twilight Zone 85 oh, and, yeah. and Midnight Viewing before. But here, because people do tend to show up several times, like even someone like James Cromwell's shown up a couple times. Like even if they didn't have a necessarily great showing the first time, more than likely they're going to come back a second or third time and 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 have, you know, have a really fun compelling storyline like i mean someone that i think of immediately is like Stuart pankin that i'm waiting to see him again where we don't where it's not just like self-aggrandizing fat man so <laughs> yeah i i but but you know again it in in a lot of ways the character actors are just they're the highlight of the show and barney miller and wojo and all those other characters they're just kind of there to interact with them i mean that and that's the beauty of this show for someone like me and you who really appreciate and watch a lot of 70s tv show like these people have shown up on plenty of things that we've talked about not just barney miller and getting to see them here in a comedy setting i appreciate that as well obviously so the other thing I really like about this episode is just how they continue to stoke that resentment of Harris and Dietrich and that Dietrich refuses to sign that uh, release form. He gets Barney to sign it. No problem. After he lays on a little bit of that Harris charm, but cannot crack Dietrich until the very end of the episode. And I like that back and forth at the end of the episode. I, I mean, I like the two of them. I, I'm I, I'm hoping, and I know that it will get there, that they will not end up being antagonistic towards the end of the show. I, I don't see that being the thing. But I like that there's, even though we kind of saw them soften to one another at the beginning of this season, at the end of last season, they still, I think they're diametrically opposed as human beings. But I think they're 
I think they have more in common than either one of them like to admit because they're oh, yeah. both very idiosyncratic. It's, I mean, Harris, obviously, and Landisberg, I mean, you know, I mean, that character is so its own weird thing. But like, so is Harris. Like, it's it's a very those are both very atypical characters. So. So speaking of character actors, we have the return of one of our favorite character actors in the desk episode, which, by the way, and we'll talk a little bit more about the desk. I thought that this episode was called The Deke. I must have completely misread it on Plex. And I was like, The Deke? What the hell? And I was, I guess I was thinking Deacon, like the Jeff Corey character. Jeff Corey. The Deke, like a hockey move. Like, oh, is that right? I think so. Yeah, it's like a hockey move. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden they go play hockey together. Barney Miller <laughs> and friends take a trip to watch the Islanders play. Okay, sure. Jeff Corey, one of the best actors just period end of sentence um he if memory serves jeff Corey was blacklisted and then rather than giving up acting he started his own acting company basically and was teaching acting and then finally he was able to kind of come back into regular hollywood stuff you know 70s late 60s going on to the 70s and it feels like the guy never stopped working because you even look at like his 50s, 60s work, he was managing to sneak in all over the place. One of, um, there's a lot of blacklisted actors on the film Seconds, which is a great one if you've never seen it. Um, I mean, this just was so busy all the time. And I just love when he shows up in anything and hear him showing up as this very harsh Amish guy. And I have to ask you, Chris, how or why is he in New York? That's the one thing I kept missing. He was mug. Okay. But like, but why? I, is he I, there? I don't know why he was in New York. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, did we miss it? Like, I don't feel like we're both, we're not that like we're dead. We're sometimes we're dense, but we're not that fucking right. dense. We weren't like, both smoking pot. Were we? <laughs> well, one of us might've been smoking it. <laughs> one might've been eating it. I don't know. He was a mugging victim. That's all they say. He's just a mugging victim. And Harris and Dietrich bring him in, and uh, Levitt is like, well, I was just, I was there, and they booked him. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they ever mentioned why there's just like an Amish dude hanging out in New York City. Well, my child, I got lost. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Like, All the way from Pennsylvania. Again, a Pennsylvania thing. Yeah. I, it's, I, I, and then he starts calling them scallywags and ne'er do wells. And, oh, and it's yeah. just so, he's so good. Jeff Corey is just, I just and 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 Levitt, you know, the folksy ways. <laughs> I just like he's, you know, I I, I kind of want to say this, Richard, if you're listening, Levitt is getting short shrift, and I don't think I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, it's fucked up, right? It is. It it's is. pretty fucked up. Like, and they have. I love how they don't really have an answer. Like Barney just goes, "There will be a desk here for you when it is needed." When you are needed, guess what? You're not fucking needed right now. <laughs> like it's it's fucked up in a way that like it makes me really empathize with the Levitt character in a way I was not expecting. Oh yeah. It it makes me empathize with Barney a little bit more because Levitt feels like one of my employees where it's just like, hey, this thing is wrong and it should be fixed. And it's like, yeah, you're right, it should be, but I'm completely powerless to do anything about it. So yeah, you can continue to complain to me. I can try to do some things, but there's not a whole lot I can do. And, and ultimately, it's probably not going to change anything either. So, 
I mean, again, like that's the thing. Like, I don't even if Barney went to bat for Levitt, I don't think it would change anything. And that's I mean, that's kind of what he's getting at. It's like, mm-hmm. but Richard was right. Levitt is a much better character now that they've given him some time to be around the other characters. And this I mean, this episode feels like a, a pretty big character moment for him standing up for himself to Barney of all people, like of all people for him to stand up to. He like stands up to Barney and is like, I don't fucking get it i'm just gonna fucking leave and go transfer fuck you guys and he's like do it then and he again like i like that arc that they take the character with i think it's weird that jack sue's desk is part of this plot line i find that to be strange well (laughs) is i think that nick's desk is in this episode i think you're thinking of the next episode the judge even though this one is called the desk no wait what yeah do i have them swapped mentally yeah, like if you go to IMDb and you look at the the picture that's represented there, Don Kalfa is sitting at Nick's desk. And that's the the trivia on IMDb is that despite this being called the desk, the desk doesn't actually play into uh the episode until the next episode. Oh my god. It's bizarre. Well, I got, I mean, it's like I got the C plots fucking confused. (laughs) Well, it's, it's insane because it is, it is the the thing with Levitt happens in this episode, right? I, I don't think the desk is missing in this episode. I think it's next episode. So next episode is when the whole thing happens with Levitt and Barney screaming at each other. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And Levitt is in the office with Barney and that's when Wojo comes in and interrupts. And he's like, oh, I understand, Captain. Take the important stuff. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's when the judge is going crazy out in the bullpen. And Wojo's all dressed up when he comes in to see Barney. Wow. I cannot. Like, well, the titles are very misleading. Well, and also what's what's funny is if you think about it, the C plots in both of them are effectively interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. It's God. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't. Good Lord. I'm, yeah. It's like the Mandela effect right now. Like I'm, gen- <laughs> I, I genuinely sitting here remembering the episode. I had to put it on now just to like. I know you're right, but like now that I'm seeing it, it's like I, I do. Oh. Right, because Alex yeah. Hentelhoff is in this episode. Yes, as Ripner. Yeah, Ripner because he shows up for Kalfa. Yes, <laughs> who's the best part of this episode? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, look, the character he's playing is uh some yeah he's had a uh not a lobotomy but something similar it sounds like yeah i love don kalfa I, I mean he's shown up one time before is it once i think twice twice okay two yeah. other times because it was him and his gun brother yeah. yeah the hostage was one of those episodes and then i can't remember what else i mean because he almost always plays a bad guy he's got right. that look he's got that look I love it. <laughs> he he's a he's a great character actor. He's the oh, he yeah. is as good as Jeff Corey is in this episode. That's the thing. Like you have two really good character actors competing with one another in this episode. Oh yeah. Well, and then uh, you know our lawyer friend isn't too much of a slouch either. And even the guy that plays the doctor, uh, Fred Sadoff, he does a great job as well. I mean, everybody's yeah. doing a great job. But yeah, Kalfa and Corey, they're just they're the tops. Don Kalfa, we're both beyond wrong. Don Kalfa has been in seven episodes. Seven. Okay. Wow. Miller. Uh, up until this point, we've seen him four times, and this is his fifth time. So wow. there are two more times, season seven and season eight, get a, a Don Kalfa episode. Nice. But 
it's crazy that he's been on this show that many times. That would I think that would put him up there with the people who've been on it the most outside of the like main kind of body of actors. Even like Henteloff only sh- has shown up like uh, two or three times, like a handful of that. All right. Does does uh, Otto Bruno's book include the most to the least appearances or at least like the top appearances? Uh, it does. I don't remember who it says, though. Okay. All right. So another good reason to pick up Otto Bruno's book, guys. Yeah. Because don't trust me. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't. We didn't know that it was seven appearances by Calfer or five up to this point. Well, that's that's crazy because it doesn't even feel like that many because I I mean, the one that stands out to me is the hostage. That is the one that 100 percent stands out to me, because I, I guess for me that I don't know. I mean, him playing, I don't know, him playing this character is probably better than that episode. Yeah. I mean, because you really feel for him. He was a, a recidivist uh, criminal, and he ends up getting this procedure done to him so that he won't be a criminal anymore. But then at what cost? Now right. he's essentially a zombie, and there's all those just little sly jokes, that whole thing about getting uh uh, uh, Perry Mason as a lawyer, and then there's the Ironside the gag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably after the accident. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 made me laugh. And uh, that was good. To answer the question, Alex Hentelhoff has been on this show seven times, okay. six times as Arnold Ripner. So I, he's been on the show quite a lot, including the first season where he showed up in in the first season of the show as Alex Ripner. So right. That was like one of the first episodes. Yeah, which is crazy that he, sh- I mean, you know, say what you will about what we've talked about before with like, oh, you have people showing up playing. I mean, Don Calvo plays like three different, or seven different characters ostensibly. Yeah. Alex Hentelhoff has been one of the few people who's only portrayed one other character other than Arnold Ripner. He portrayed, I think, a different character in like season three. And I think we mentioned it on that episode. We're like, hey, that's the guy who plays Ripner. But he plays the same character through the entire show, which is kind of crazy because I want to say it's him. And then the two gay characters are probably in that same like conversation. But he's great here. He plays that, I don't know, he plays a 70s dickhead attorney. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Though I'm still kind of disappointed that I have yet to see Transparent Aluminum after he discovered that in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. <laughs> so eventually, maybe we'll get that invention. I have to... There are so many movies that I have not watched as an adult that I'm going to eventually get around to watching that I watched as like a, a child that I will watch now and be like, oh my fucking God, look at all these. Oh, yeah. Like, in, I haven't seen Star Trek The Voyage Home since I was a teenager. Like, oh yeah. And I'm sure when I watch those, be like, oh my God, look at all these people that I literally have been spending 10 years talking about their combined bodies of work. Like, that's what I thought when I watched Hal Linden in Daddy or Grandpa Daycare. Oh, you ended up watching that? No. (laughs) I don't know. I thought about it. I was like, there's no way. There's no way that this isn't just like very bizarre. Like granddaddy daycare feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Annie Trejo is in that movie. It's funny. He, I thought that he was in a ton of episodes of MASH, but he was only in one episode, but he just made such an impression that I thought he was in more. Alex Entelaw? Yeah. Yeah, he I mean, he, he's a he's a great actor. I just I I I I don't know him from anything else. 
I haven't mm-hmm. seen him in anything else. But I, if you look at his credits, I mean, it's just like TV out the ass. Like, oh, God. Like yeah. you mentioned, MASH. I, I mean, I Spy is, is his first credit. Beretta. Like, I mean, he, if if oh, you have a body of work. Yeah, like Barnaby Jones, Trapper John. Ironside, McLeod, Mannix. Yeah. 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 Like, it's, Pan. yeah. And that's the thing. Like, people like Alex Hentelhoff are, uh, I mean, that's the reason the screen actors are striking right now because mm-hmm. people like him fill in so much of what other people like Max Gale and how Lyndon laid down as being the foundation is that those character actors and that's again to go back to what I said before I love how many character actors just show up in this show and like Kenneth Tygar just knocks it out of the park every time he shows up oh, Alex Hentelov yeah. Jeff Corey like you know I think Fred Sadoff showed up before too hasn't he am, am I mistaken or is I am I just no, yeah, he's shown up six times. So Jesus. this is this is like the this is like the episode of the the reoccurring characters. Last time we saw Fred Sadoff was in the uh, Rankin and Bass Marco, which is why I recognize it. Oh boy, yeah, <laughs> a classic, <laughs> a true cinematic gem. Yes, Zero Mostel as Kublai Khan. That's all I'll say. I don't know how many people listening to this have tracked down the Rankin and Bass movie Marco, but worth a shot. We get yeah. to see Desi Arnaz Jr. on a kite. Yeah. And Zero Mostel playing Kublai Khan, which is yeah. really, really what you're there for. But uh, yeah, uh, a lot. I mean, in this I mean, this episode is literally like the six and seven timers club because everybody okay. in in the in the character actor camp has been on the show a fair amount. So and that's why this is a really fun episode. And that's why Don Kalfa's character is not as problematic as I was kind of expecting it to be. Right, right. Well, it does seem to bring up this whole idea of free will and, you know, what are we doing to people in order to prevent prevent them from doing these crimes? What kind of person is he? And him wanting to go off on the farm to the farm with Jeff Corey, it feels like what to do to a dog, you know, just like, yeah, yeah put, let him go to the farm. Sure. It's going upstate. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that though, where he's like, you mean I could work with my hands? And Luis, nice. we till the land and then we have breakfast. Right. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Corey, I mean, Jeff Corey is, is just, he is dry as dry can be, but it's a perfect, like he's oh, yeah. so good. I mean, this is a re- this is a really fun episode this season. I really enjoy this episode. Yeah, and the, the the interactions that he has with Hal Linden, I'm talking about Jeff Corey. Those are priceless. the The back and forth between those two actors is so great. Let me look at your hands, <laughs> doughy hands. Yeah, you've been counting money all your life, Mister Hooper. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he it this is this is a good one you know getting confused about when nick uh nick yamana's desk disappears uh aside the, yeah i mean look all these episodes are really good which is oh, yeah. which is not a surprise but this season so far has been across the board just like pretty good pretty good pretty good yeah well you're talking about repeating people and i swear peggy pope must have been on the show before because she just has one of these very distinct voices so when she showed up in the desk episode, well, which is called the judge, <laughs> she just, I was like, oh, wow. Like I mostly know her from, uh, the, the last Starfighter. I think she's one of the, um, the neighbors of Lance. Um, oh, I can't remember the actress name, but one of the neighbors of the main character. Uh, and then of course she was in tooth or consequences. Uh, one of our favorite 
not really episodes of right <laughs> of uh start um Jesus, twilight zone uh 1985 yeah she was in six episodes of uh barney miller so no wonder she seems pretty familiar she comes in and is reporting all of these crimes all of these horrible things that she's seeing next door and uh that is uh who is it uh dietrich and harris i think pick her up yeah and meanwhile, Wojo is at court, and that's where he runs into Philip Sterling as Judge Philip Paul Gibson, who is completely off his rock. I mean, it's basically what we just saw with uh, with with uh, Michael Lombard as the uh, suicide prevention person. I mean, he snapped. Well, so is this judge. This judge is completely snapped. Yeah, he's he's lost it, as they would oh, yeah. say, like in in a way that like he is one of the more abrasive characters that I think I've ever seen on this show. And I'm t- and, and, and I'm talking about even including someone like Scanlon, like this, a character that he portrays in this episode is comes into the precinct as a ball of fire and still more or less leaves a ball of fire. Yeah. Uh, six episode for Mr. Philip Sterling as well. We're we're to the point now where they're just like bringing in all the people that just have been doing it so well. Peggy Pope and Nine to Five. That's what I saw her in earlier this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. She's so great movie. So good. She right? just has that look, you know? Oh, it's yeah. just, I don't know. Like she looks, she does looking pathetic really well. Like that's, it's, I don't know. And she can put a button on a scene like nobody's business. You know, you're just like, she will give you that last little bit to just take that joke over the line because she usually plays clueless very, very well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of playing clueless really well, I like the idea that Max, or uh, not Max Gale, but, you know, the character that Max Gale plays, Wojohowicz, gets really bent out of shape and Barney's like, hey, you look really nice. <laughs> He's right. like, what, I can't look nice? I, mean, I can't dress up? I can't just look nice for once? He's like, I didn't say that. I'm going to court, though. <laughs> it's like bro you're like oh my god wojohowitz has finally come back around as a character i'm so glad because i got i got i was getting really tired of complaining about how much of a ding dong he was acting last season because it was just it was insufferable how kind of much he had regressed from season four into season five oh yeah well it's so funny to me to go back to the bird episode (laughs) he basically he wants this animal to live in a cage at his house. And when he comes to work, he's just puts people in cages. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. You got a thing here. All right. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't call that bird a sex worker as well. Yeah. To yeah. to demean it. That's why, uh, he, he's, it's either go out and rent a sex worker or, uh, buy a bird. Right. So. <laughs> and well, he made his choice this time. This time, yeah. This yeah. time. I do like how he's in his suit the entire episode. It does yeah. not work. He looks no. he looks ridiculous. <laughs> he does, yeah. Especially that wide tie that he's I... got. That that Windsor knot is so big. Oh, and the ve- and the vest. He lo- oh, he looks yeah. more like he would be uh I don't know, like a like a background character in the untouchables. Like, yeah. That's what he looks he looks out of place. Like, really out of place. And I don't know, maybe it's just because, like, I feel like when he's wearing a suit, I can't take him seriously. Right. Right? I mean, that's what it is, obviously. But, like, it's just, because, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't take him. Every time I look at him, it's like, I can't take you seriously while you're wearing that suit. Right. I do love the scene where he's arresting or taking the information from the judge, and the judge is taking the information from him, and especially 
we get a name joke. We haven't had a Wojciechowicz name joke in forever. And here we are finally where he's trying to give his name and the judge is just like, you don't scare me. <laughs> I, uh, I did appreciate, I did appreciate we finally got a name joke for the first that time this season. Yeah. But uh, can we talk about the, from last episode, titular desk? Yes. It's bizarre. Well, the station house looks so different without that desk there. I've grown so used to it being there that when I saw it without, I was like, what, what, what the hell's going on? Yeah. It's, it's permanent, right? The desk going away. Yeah. No, they bring it back at the end. But like, is it going to like, what is the reason for it to stay? That's my point. Like, it's weird that it comes back, but like, it should just stay gone. I'm very curious if now Levitt's going to be coming up here. I mean, it's almost like we're left on a cliffhanger. That's what I mean. Like they, it bring, they bring it back, but like it, it, why did it come back? Cause like, it doesn't narratively, it doesn't make any sense unless it's like, this is where Levitt sits. But then it just feels like, well, what you're forgetting that Yamana sat there. Like, I mean, I guess it doesn't, I guess it's different than Vagoda though, because Vagoda left the show. I mean, Jack Sue would still be on the show if not for the fact that he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that Harris is so happy to have Dietrich away from him. (laughs) Yeah, the their back and forth. I I like it. I'm uh, like I said. I'm assuming it will eventually write itself. But I do like that they just keep playing up the animosity between the two. But it's really one sided. Oh yeah, yeah. This is Harris. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think Dietrich has any problems with anybody really. I'm not sure Dietrich cares enough. <laughs> no, I'm not sure Dietrich is grounded enough to care. So yeah. I and I like that Peggy Pope's character is kind of I don't know and I wouldn't say nuts but they kind of, I mean yeah she and the judge are nuts basically yeah 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 uh, yeah I guess so like yeah different Dieter shades can, of nuts right Dietrich and Harris go over to her place they find hundreds upon hundreds of TV guides and start reading some of the soap opera listings and realize that she's been it's very much like that uh, episode with Nick speaking of Nick where there was somebody who was performing the crimes of whatever the detective shows were. Mm, It was like a TV guide uh, thief. That's right. She no, but she's she's really good. She plays that oh, character, yeah. that kind of like, oh, I didn't know there, you know, whatever. Like she plays that perfectly. I mean, that's she does. Yeah, she's great. But then, I mean, in nine to five, I I want to say she's like the character that's like ratting on everybody. So like she can play both of those kind of that spectrum really well of like an unstable character. I don't know. I think it's her eyes. It's got to be like she just has those really big eyes. But she's, yeah, her, her, she's great. And obviously all of the praise that I gave to Ron Carey at the last episode that I thought was this episode is still applicable here. Uh, he's really good in this episode. He might actually be one of the best parts of this episode. I think he is. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think it's because we finally get to see the character have not a backbone per se, but a little bit of a backbone. Oh, yeah. He absolutely stands up for himself in this. Yeah. Now, again, I I, I don't, I, it all feels very hollow and Barney mm-hmm. feels very patronizing. And so it's like, there is, like you mentioned, it's kind of a cliffhanger. There isn't really a conclusion. And I, I don't think that the people who made this show necessarily cared about having a conclusion because conclusions mean people aren't watching anymore. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it's like moonlighting. The moment they, they were together, it's like, who fucking cares anymore? Like, right, it's right. the chase, not the destination. So, I, and that's what it feels like here. And I, I don't think he'll ever become uh, anything. And he'll just be the guy who shows up because that's, that's the only thing that I think really ultimately makes sense. 
I think you're right. Yeah. And really we have, we are halfway through this first season, I think, or yeah, somewhere around there. And then we will have two more seasons of this. And so I think they can keep that joke going for two and a half seasons. Well, and, and I think also given the fact that like they, they lean on it, but they don't lean on it all the time. Like they, I mean, he didn't even show up in the first episode, the bird. So it, you know, like it's sometimes they don't even have to have him, which he, he is missed when he doesn't show up. I'll tell you that much at this point, I do miss him as a, as a character actor and as a character presence, I do miss him when he's not there. Listen to you. I know. Yeah. Shill that I am. I did it, <laughs> folks. I came full circle. Richard and Otto and everybody else who told us that that was going to be the case are just smirking. Like, oh, and they're yeah. right. They're right. Because they did a good they job. like Luger. Now they like, like <laughs> Levitt. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, hey, you know, I, I, I think that's the success of the writing team and the people who work on this show is to really make some of these lesser characters that are introduced in maybe not the most palatable ways more palatable by making them real characters as opposed to just a short joke and whatever james gregory's character was doing that first season (laughs) i still am not quite sure Mm. what he was doing well hopefully we'll get some luger when we come back around next time we're going to be talking about the dna story the dentist and no article people's court and i think this is definitely way before judge wapner's people's court so just yeah. so you know judge wapner will not be showing up in this episode I, is that i thought it was judge is judge joe brown a similar thing yes yeah after people's court you they started popping up all over with judge judy joe brown gosh i can't even remember all the uh, steve harvey isn't he a judge of <laughs> something I wanted to make the joke that I was disappointed this episode wasn't about Judge Reinhold, but I figured not <laughs> enough people would care <laughs> about Judge Reinhold. Frankly, it's a good joke though. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I love the taxi <laughs> Barney Miller crossover that we never got. Right, exactly. Yeah. Boy, that is a weird thing we never got. Is that? Is <laughs> can you imagine just them hauling Chris Lloyd from Taxi in to Barney Miller, like? You ruined my life. (laughs) (laughs) I have to work at a taxi stand now (laughs) with all these psychos and this really short guy. (laughs) Can you imagine Louis De Palma in the cage? Yeah. Amazing. Fucking great. That's my point. Like, that's the thing. Now that we live in a time of like, everything is everywhere else all the time. Like, yeah, it's just like, it would be, it would be nice for these things to have existed. And look, I mean, plenty of these shows were crossover shows or spinoff shows. This show had its own spinoff show. You couldn't convince me. It almost didn't try to do two. But I mean, oh, it's episode. I will never be convinced was a genuine attempt at a spinoff. But self-sabotage. Yeah, this show has its own spinoff. It had fish. Like, it was very much of the 70s. It's kind of surprising the Jeffersons didn't show up in this show in a lot of ways. Like, because that was a thing that did happen on other things. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be an excuse. I mean, obviously, somebody gets into Alex's taxi and is crazy, so he has to take him to, you know, the nearest police station was here at the 12th precinct or, you know, somebody mugs george jefferson and he oh nearest police station 12th precinct right like you have you have the in-universe cops like if i were making this show now the show that i would make would be like 
CBS or ABC. I would just get the actors from the other shows to show up from time to time because A, people like that, and B, the people who like the other show would like that because it's just a thing you don't get to see. And that would have been fun. But to be fair, the show has enough character actors. The stable of character actors is deep enough that they don't need to resort to anybody else's shows. They've got their own, which I think is just as exciting and entertaining. So until we come back next month, Chris, what are you working on these days? It's podcasting. Weirdingwaymedia.com. The show's here. The shows that you're welcome. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, uh, that's where everything that you and I work on uh, this show, the finished Kolchak tapes, uh, Dreams for Sale, which is coming to a close. We work on that with Father Malone, Columbo, all, all the good things that uh, that you and I uh, work on together. You can find that at WeirdingWayMedia.com. What about you, Mike? What's what's keeping you busy? Well, pretty much a lot of the same stuff. All my stuff is over at readingwaymedia.com, including the show that I work on called The Projection Booth. And that keeps me very busy, but I'm really glad that we can talk about other things such as 70s detectives and horror shows. So what I mean, Conan, what is best in life? <laughs> Night Gallery, Barney Miller, Columbo, and to see their women driven before them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He nailed it. <laughs> Good place to stop, I think. Good place to stop. Or do you wait? Do you want to do the outro of the John Walker thing? Oh, yeah. Special thanks to John Walker for doing our theme. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Please rate and review us wherever you get the show. I guess they're now doing ratings at like Pod Addict and other things. So check your podcast player. You might be able to rate our show through there. That would be very cool. And you should. 